Welcome to Slash Server Life, the podcast where we explore the unseen world of people in the service industry. In today's episode, we learn about Tamika. She's someone that has a quiet strength and dignity that's rare amongst most people. She's also someone that you just want to know more and more about. Lean in, dear friends, and let's take a closer look at her story. you describe yourself oh an introvert by nature (laughs) um introverted really curious about things I always joke that I have I must have been a cat at some point because I have more than the nine lives because I yeah my curiosity gets the best of me sometimes and I don't know how I get out of certain situations sometimes. <laughs> Do you have any stories you want to share about your curiosity getting the best of you? Oh, well, there's this time I was on a hike in New Zealand. It was along this beautiful river. And there was a waterfall. And you can, like, look at the waterfall from a little outlook point. And then there was where you can go up to the top of the waterfall where just before it starts falling. And so I went over there, and there's not fenced in or anything and some wild reason there are two big rocks that you can like stand on like that's just on the outskirt a little bit of the water is like going around it and there was a stick stuck in between the two rocks why I had the bright idea to want to move this stick OCD got the better of me in that Um, (laughs) and I went to I stepped on the rock but my shoes had been with me for five years and no longer had the best grip and so I slipped into the river at the top of the fall mind you I don't swim and then so I'm just hanging on (laughs) to the boulder I don't I feel totally weightless at this point and I'm just like feeling my legs just (laughs) go with the flow of this fall and you can hear it crashing and uh, I literally just like took a deep breath and was like, I just had to touch that stick, didn't I? <laughs> I was like, now how am I going to... This felt like it was the longest time. And I was like, how? I felt totally at peace. I wasn't scared or anything. I was like, now how am I going to get out of this? And um, I was like, all right, one, two, three. And I managed to like pull myself up onto the rock and then like get back to safety and so I walked the rest of the way about three miles back to where I was staying soaking wet um yeah and then when I got home I found out that a woman had died in the same spot from the top of the fall like the week before do you think she was trying to get the stick out I feel like some some the devil must have put that stick (laughs) a fairy or something I'm just like that was ridiculous. Let's talk about where you're from. I am, my nationality is Jamaican. I was born in Jamaica, but I've been in the States since I was three years old. But I used to go back every summer to visit my father. Um, and then I grew up in Fort Lauderdale, in between Fort Lauderdale and Miami area. Freezing. How'd you end up in Nashville? Well, I have a friend that I met while I was traveling 
that we kept in contact over the years. And I was in Florida for a bit with family. And I mentioned that I had just lost my office job and I was looking for work but couldn't find any and wasn't really sure why I was still looking for work in Florida. It's not my favorite place to live. And he mentioned, because he grew up here in Nashville, he was like, well, it's an up-and-coming city, and he's like, it has hiking, which I love hiking. He's like, and the winters aren't too bad. And so I was like, hmm, maybe. And then I thought about it for about 24 hours, and by the end of the week, I drove here. So let's talk about how long were you in the service industry? Well... My, I feel like I'm always in service, but in the actual service restaurant industry, when I was 18, I had my first job, um, and that only lasted about six months, <laughs> and then um, I took a long break, and then again for just recently a year and a half, and I'm still, still in it. Uh, I work at a apothecary tea house. Were you usually front of house or back of house? Front of house. I'm not a fan of cooking for people. <laughs> so I'm always front of house. <laughs> Tell me about your first job in the service industry. Ooh. <clears throat> that was at Denny's. <laughs> I just could not imagine you at Denny's. You can't imagine me at Denny's? Yeah, Denny's. Um... <laughs> Like I said, that was a short stint. Um, it was my first job out in high school. I think I was in my last year of high school or just out of high school. I was 18. Um, my mom said I couldn't get a cell phone unless I paid for it. So I went and found me a job at Denny's. I was like, hmm, free food. Just eat there all the time. Why not? Um, yeah, that was crazy. I only worked, I worked nights with all the drunk people because I had school in the days and then also Saturday and Sundays I was hostess and I was hostess for these jobs and then on the nights when it was really slow and they would send the waitresses home or they wanted to go home I would love like can I be a waitress at the bar I want to do the bar so I would do the the like breakfast counter the counter uh servicing that's how I started waitressing but I love waitressing. I actually, that long time I wasn't in it, I, I realized how much I like it because I just love meeting meeting people and hearing their story and just shooting the shit with them, really. And I love hearing uh, war stories. <laughs> Do you have tales of ridiculous customers, wild situations? Oh, boy. There was... At my most recent restaurant job, there was a point where <laughs> a few months after I started working there, everything would go wrong at my tables only. Like, the major things go wrong. Like, one time I had a lady have a stroke at my table after they had all eaten. And then she came back in the restaurant had a stroke in the bathroom. And I had to call the ambulance and get hot, you know, cold compresses for her and everything. Two weeks later, um, <laughs> two weeks later, a baby was put in one of those, please parents don't do this, please, <laughs> in one of those chairs that you just slide onto the side of the table. 
Now, our tables aren't bolted to the floor. I feel like that is only a safe option if our tables are bolted. Um, and so it was only the baby on one side, her mom was sitting next to her, but it was at a different table pushed together. Um, and then there was another mother on the other side and a baby in a high chair, another one in a high chair. And I guess the mom took her child out of the high chair and when she lifted up from the table, she wasn't putting any more weight. So that other child was so heavy on the one side that the whole table flipped with her in it. Um, I was on the other side of the table trying to take this big party's, you know, order. And I realized what was happening. I like threw my iPad somewhere. I don't know who caught that. But um, the mom was barely holding up the table so that it wouldn't crush her child. And I had to like swoop the baby from out with the, I just took the baby out and the whole chair out of the, <laughs> out from underneath the table so that she'd be safe and just like handed her to her father. But I, gosh, my heart was in my chest for the rest of the night. I was just like, that could have ended so badly, but she was fine. She was a little scared, but she was fine. And our customers were excellent. Like I heard a bunch of things fall, but by the time I looked around to pick up the pieces, like everything had already been cleaned up and everybody was, you know, really helpful. So yeah, that, those have to be my, my two worst. <laughs> Do you have any battle wounds or scars from the service industry? Oh yeah. So my first job at Denny's, um, they're not as nice in the kitchen sometimes, uh, front of house and back of house, you know, have that warring that war constantly between them but um I needed a can opener to put canned fruit on a dessert and the only can opener in-house at Denny's believe this or not was in the kitchen in the pit where they're cooking and we were really busy and the the cooks did not want to open it for me and I was like well I need to serve this and he's like, well, if you want it, then you have to fucking come back here. And then so I did. And uh, when I did that, I uh, I opened the can, put the dessert, went back to the front because I was a hostess. And the customer asked me for something else. And so I went to turn around to grab, I think it was utensils or something. And I fell. I slipped. My feet went out from under me. And I landed on my knees and I caught myself on my wrists. So on the tile floor, uh, the injuries from that was dislocating both my kneecaps and permanently injuring my wrists. I have no strength in my wrists. There's like a disconnect with, I don't know, I don't know what tendon or muscle there is out of whack, but I can't open jars. I don't have the grip anymore. Um, It's very hard for me to open jars, I should say. I still try. (laughs) Um, and then get mad and ask for help. (laughs) Um, and my knees, I had to do a lot of physical therapy so that the nerve, you had to tape my kneecaps to where they were supposed to be and do physical therapy because it had torn the tendons on either side. Um, but they did that until the swelling went down because I couldn't stand for more than three hours at a time after that injury. Um, but yeah. Yeah. That's all now better since I changed my diet and 
vegan and gluten-free and all that stuff, it's actually a lot of that was causing inflammation in my body, which kept my knees hurting. And now they don't hurt anymore, so which is great, which is why I'm back in the service industry. <laughs> I can do it again, so I'm, I'm back. What's your biggest pet peeves? Uh, lack of communication. Whether that be from owners, management, in between servers, front of house, back of house. Uh, most recently, I had one with customers that really just got under my skin for about a week or so. Um, a woman came in and she had celiacs apparently. But she didn't tell me she had celiacs, and now I'm gluten intolerant, so I'm very sensitive to that. And um, she didn't tell me, and then she got her food, and she was like, "This is gluten free, right?" And I was like, "It is." However, it's it's you know fried in the same oil as something that's not gluten free. I was like, "So if you're really sensitive, it's probably not something you'd want to eat." And I was like, like, if you have celiacs or something, and she was like, yeah, I have celiacs, and I was like, oh, I was like, I wasn't aware, I'm sorry, I would have let you know that beforehand, can I get you something else, let me change out, let, let me change this out for you, she said, no, it's fine, I'll just eat the other things on the plate, I asked her three times, and she said, no, she was fine, then she left, a couple days later, she wrote a bad review on our website, saying that, we didn't care that she had celiacs, but she didn't communicate and it was offered to be fixed and she refused and she wanted, I guess the moral of that is, is that she wanted, uh, she wanted the meal taken off of her bill and she was upset that I didn't do that. But if I'm offering to change it for you and there's nothing wrong with our food, I'm not taking it off the bill. And you didn't communicate that with me at any point that you wanted a discount, that you wanted something else, that you had celiac. Like, I just don't understand how you can get upset if you didn't ask for something, you know, if you didn't communicate clearly. What are you doing now? So I work at High Garden, a tea, a tea house and apothecary learning a lot about herbs and how they help the human body get back to a balance. Um, I'm front of house, so I make tea for people <laughs> to sip and enjoy. Um, I do that two days a week. I also flip Airbnbs. I'm also a health and life coach. And I'm also a Reiki practitioner. And I make jewelry. So, those things. <laughs> <laughs> so you're never just one thing or many things. Yes. I get bored with just one thing, which is probably why I wanted to leave corporate America. It was very boring. I was very good at my job. I would finish it really early, but they'd make me stay the whole time. So um, I needed something to always, to always be doing something, even if it was just talking and socializing with people at my, you know, at tables when you're in a restaurant like that there's a lot of things to do and to think about when you're in the service industry and uh, I actually enjoy that it keeps me busy the time goes by quickly and some of the time you have fun with it too <laughs>
What makes you interesting? Oh boy. <laughs> Besides all the things that I do, um, I I really am in love with coaching and and with Reiki. I really feel that Reiki helped move energetic blocks that I didn't even know I had um, when I was sick. Um, and just doing that and being really, really open-minded and about everything, about it. I can see everyone's perspective, you know, and I can't, it's really hard for me to be really upset. Like I might get a little upset in the beginning, but then I really start to think about the other person's perspective and where they're coming from and how they were taught and grew up. And then I'm like, okay. And then I'm not mad anymore. Like I can get over things pretty easily. Um, I've been called Mama Mika so many times in every every situation I've been in. Um, I tend to have a mothering personality, though I have no children of my own. Where do you think it comes from? I don't know. I was the last child. I don't know how I'm the mother. <laughs> I take care of everybody. Um, but I give a lot of tough love, too, which isn't always... Uh, received well <laughs> to your family or to everyone everyone <laughs> I'm like nope I don't care you need to take care of yourself like that's I'm very much of a tough love uh-uh you gotta do it come on even though you don't care about yourself I care about you so I need you to drink more water I need you to eat something other than crap <laughs> um yeah, that, and I'm I'm also a bit of a chameleon. A lot of times when I traveled, I found it funny. No one knew what I was, as in like race or nationality. My accent always seems to change in different places, <laughs> which is funny. I'm not making fun of anyone. It just automatically just kind of slips into, oh, that's how you say that? Okay, I'm going to start saying it like that. And it's not a conscious thought. It just kind of happens can kind of blend into wherever I am kind of <laughs> minus the big afro <laughs> yeah well you said you've done traveling tell me about that okay I have traveled um to New Zealand and Australia and then also I lived in Hawaii for a while so really I've actually lived in all these places for a little bit over three months, a year and a half in New Zealand, and about nine months in Hawaii. How did you get started? Just decided one day I'm going to live in Hawaii, live in New Zealand. <clears throat> yeah, <laughs> kind of. Uh, the when I was in my early twenties, I was diagnosed with lupus, uh, which is an autoimmune disease, and I spent four years of my life in bed because I had no energy. I could walk a half a block to the grocery store and come back and need five hours of sleep. Um, I was in constant pain. I had an office job where I sat down all day, but I had to nap during my lunch break to make it through the last four hours of work. And then at the time, I had an angel of a boyfriend who lived halfway in between my job and my place. So I would go to his house and sleep so that I could drive the rest of the way home because I'd fall asleep on the way home. So um, I moved from Florida to North Carolina and when I was in North Carolina, I found a naturopath, and she helped me learn about herbs. She taught me Reiki, um, and I got better. 
and I no longer need to be on medication, and doctors can't even find that I was ever sick. There are no markers in my system of an autoimmune disease anymore because I changed my diet from being a regular meat eater and a lot of carbs and pasta, my favorites, um, <laughs> to being completely vegan. And in between that and herbs and Reiki, I think, that all made me better. And once I was better and found out I no longer needed to be at the doctor on a weekly basis, I, uh, I, I was like, okay, I've got a lot of time to make up for. I don't know what I want to do anymore because... I had, you know, when I was younger, I wanted to be a nurse. That was my thing. But when I got sick, there was no way I could do that physically. Um, so I kind of had given up on all of my dreams and aspirations because I was, I kept getting worse. So it was literally starting all over again. Like, okay, who am I? What do I want to do? Um, what do I want to see? And I had no idea. And so I, uh, listened to a bunch of podcasts and read a lot of bloggers stuff and found out about New Zealand and, um, and a retreat center who'd give you like room and board if you'd work at the retreat center, which was like in the middle of paradise. So that was a deal. Um, <laughs> I applied there and I applied to a bunch of other places through this thing called Woofing. It's Willing Workers on Organic Farms. And you can do that exchange program all over the world all over the world. So I applied to a bunch of places, but then I said a prayer because then I got really nervous. <laughs> and uh, I was like, all right, universe, uh, you know I'm not good with making decisions, so let the only place I'm supposed to go answer me. And within one week, the New Zealand place answered me, uh, Mana Retreat Center. And I was like, okay, cool. And I was like, okay, I'm working my corporate job. I'm just going to take like a leave of absence for a little bit just to get my, you know, my head on right, decompress from all of this. And next thing I know, my car payments were completed before they wanted me to go. My apartment was, the lease was coming to an end around the same time. Uh, I ended up selling everything I owned and it was so easy. Like people were just coming out of the woodworks and needed things. And I was just like, here you go. Um, so <laughs> at one point I was like, it doesn't look like I'm, uh, coming back. <laughs> so yeah, I bought a one way ticket to New Zealand with no plan other than working at the retreat center for a few weeks and, uh, ended up in New Zealand for a year and a half. I traveled a bunch so cheap, so beautiful. Um, ended up running a hostel for about six months at that time in Carrie Carrie. Uh, loved that experience. How did you end up running a hostel? Okay. <laughs> it's this tiny little, I worked when I got there after the retreat center, I ended up in the city and I worked at the university of Auckland for a, like a temporary gig for about six weeks just to save some money. And then the next place I wanted to go was the top of the North Island. And so I found this cute little hostel slash lodge called Relax Lodge. Um, and it was on an organic orange farm. And uh, I just was like, okay, I'm just going to go there, stay a few weeks, travel all the North Island, and then move on. And 
when I was there, I think maybe a week after I had been there, um, the owner, his manager didn't work on the weekends because she had a family and a life, <laughs> but he had to drop off oranges because he sold the oranges to like the grocery stores that would take them. And, um, he had a little accident where the crate fell down, the prop he had fell and like smashed his finger and me having a medical background and a mom personality, I guess, a mom energy about me. I was like, okay, you're bleeding all over everything. Let me help you. <laughs> So I helped him wrap up his finger and uh, clean up, and he was just spazzing out a little bit because he had guests coming, and he was already running late to drop off the oranges, and he had to clean this, and he had to do this, and I was just like, tell me what to do. I'll do it. Tell me how. Tell me where everything is, and I, I got you. Don't worry about it. Um, so he trusted me enough to allow me to like clean, clean the room and like reset it for guests who were coming, and... Um, then they offered, they offered me the, during the week, they ended up offering me to stay and work in exchange for room and board. Um, and then, then that turned into me being there for a while. And then it was, okay, now you're going to be, cause I want to go and do things. So now you're going to be the manager, the assistant manager on the weekends. And I was like, okay. So it gave them, because it's only two people that run it. So it gave them a little break, and I enjoyed it. I love them so much. So that's how I ended up running a hostel. Totally wasn't planned. (laughs) So tell me about being a bit of a nomad. Um, I read an article once that says that they're starting to link that people who are very nomadic actually have a gene that makes them that way. And that people who are very much of home, people who like to have one place to call home and don't really leave the area where they were born and grew up, that they have another gene. Um, I'm definitely of the latter type. (laughs) Um, it's, it's almost like it's an itch. I get really antsy when I'm in one place too long. Um, when things are tend to be a little bit too mundane for me, I like to shake it up. And I know people look at me like I'm insane all the time, but for me, having stability is nerve-wracking, whereas stability is something that other people crave. To me, there's stability in the unknown. Um, and that's how... You truly, I, f- I feel that's how I can truly live life is to not really know what's coming next and not and get to see the world and meet a bunch of different people and uh, live like other people do outside of my comfort zones. I've definitely learned and stretched and seen how strong I am from traveling the world alone. Um, things I would never thought I could do, I've done you get to live so many different lives when you travel like that and you just jump into what's available at the time, you know, whatever jobs available, wherever you can, can make the money or, you know, do something in exchange for somebody so that you can eat that day. Or, um, I'm very much, my sisters call me very much, uh, directionally challenged. So it's amazing that I've traveled the world alone and I found my way back home, you know, kind of thing. Like I definitely learned, I learned how to read a map 
because I didn't know how to do that before I went traveling. And uh, GPS didn't work really well in New Zealand. So if I wanted to drive somewhere, I had to learn to read an actual map, um, which was really cool. <laughs> I was very proud of myself. Also, I drove on the other side of the road because I drive on the other side of the road. I turned down the wrong side a couple times, but it's okay. Nobody got hurt. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, I don't know. It's really exciting for me to, uh, to just always have new things and change. Uh, being stagnant makes me very nervous. And I feel like, I guess, part of that is... Because I was a travel bug before I got sick, but definitely after four years of sitting still and had slept through four years where I should have been partying and living life, you know? Uh, I had a lot of making up to do. <laughs> um... I feel like that definitely increased my urge to to travel and to always to always do something new, to explore something new, to see what else I could possibly be interested in. Because, like I said, I had given up. We didn't think I was going to live to thirty. So, the fact that I did make it, um, I had to start all over again and really find what find out what I wanted to do, what I liked, what, because I didn't care anymore. I was ready to go, and I was at peace to go. Um, So it was definitely a reinventing of myself and trying to find who I was again, and I do a lot of that when I travel and how I've learned to adapt in different situations and different jobs and different cultures, but it's definitely been interesting. What do you want to promote? Um, I, in general, in life, I want to promote people to live their best lives, to be happy, you know, no matter what situation they find themselves in, to find the silver lining or find out, okay, what is this pushing me towards? Because you can't be a diamond without pressure, you know, um, and... I just love helping people and help them, you know, see a different, see a different way, see other options they have, um, just creative ideas of who else they can be or how they can change or adjust their current situation to be something that they enjoy. Um, I definitely promote peace and self-love and I do that through my Reiki and uh, and health coaching and life coaching. Tell me about your Reiki and health coaching. How did you get into it? Ooh, well, Reiki, since it was something that I fell in love with when I was sick, um, I became a Reiki master teacher. I hate the word master because you're always learning with Reiki. It's just a title. I, there's no way I am master of something that is life force. That's what keeps us moving, you know? But um, I, I fell in love with it. And from then, and when I traveled, I would do it randomly on friends if they asked me to. And I did a lot of healing on, like, different land areas that were, like, demolished or really polluted. Um, I didn't even know that was a thing. I would just feel I needed to do it. And so I would just do that. And uh, health and life coaching... Because I was sick again, um, and people who knew me 
through all three stages of my life. Um, when I was the party animal between 18 and 21, when I got sick and couldn't do a thing or move and was walking around like an 80 year old to me now healed, you know, healed through Reiki and herbs and changing my diet. Um, people always come to me and especially if they know me, they're like, how did you do it? Cause I saw you and you did not look like you were going to make it. Like we didn't think I was going to live to 30. Um, and so it ended up just friends and family came to me a lot about health questions anyway and how I eat now and how they can be better. And so it's something I enjoy doing. I, I'm like, ooh, what's your problem? And then I go and I'm like, all right, I got research to do, you know, and I go and look up something. And I'm like, well, what's this? And how do you feel about this and that and that? And I realized I was being a health coach anyway. And uh, I still... Being the gypsy that I am, I love traveling, so I wanted to do something that I could take with me anywhere. As I do my coaching calls, I do calls over the phone so I can be anywhere in the world and have a Skype conversation with you or on the phone with you, you know? Um, so it's something that makes me feel fulfilled, both things, and, um, and I can do it while I do something that I love, which is travel. So it's like the perfect recipe for me. Well, what does health coaching look like when you do it with someone? So a health coach is basically a habit changer. We're an advocate for habit change, positive habit change. So we sit down and we figure out what do you want, first of all, because many of us don't know what we actually want. We, Or you can say, for instance, you can come to me and say, I want to lose 10 pounds. And I'm like, okay. Why do you want to lose 10 pounds? Oh, just so I can feel better. And what will feeling better do for you? Oh, that will uh, give me more energy so I can spend time with my kids. Okay, and what will spending more time with your kids do for you? That will probably bring um, my family closer, and maybe um, my husband and I will be on better terms. You know, it's always something else other than that out external thing you think you want. Yeah, you do want it. Yeah, we'll still work on that. But on an emotional, deep soul level, it boils down to something a lot greater. And um, we really, we just dive deep and we look into, okay, this is what we're working on while keeping mine what's your motivating thing? What's your motivating factor? What's motivating you to do this? And I hold you accountable. We work on, we look at what you eat. We also, you know, look at your stress levels and how you manage stress. And I provide tools on how to manage stress and how to experiment with your eating to see what way of eating makes you feel better. Um, so it's really a mind, body, and soul it's a holistic way of healing the human. It's not, it's not just a diet. I'm not here to put you on a diet. It's a lifestyle. It's a life change. Um, because in the end, a diet is very short-term, and you're going to be right back to where you were. And I'm just there to you know, talk you through the difficult times and hold you accountable for what you want. And that's where my mom and tough love thing come in again, you know? <laughs> that's perfect. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you. 
Where can people find out more information about your Reiki or health and wellness coaching? Um, my website is panihiwellness.com. And uh, Panihi actually is the word for Black Panther in New Zealand in the Maori language. Um, and I chose, I chose that because what do you think of when you see a big cat? They're graceful, yet they're strong. You know, they take no shit. <laughs> and, I mean, there's something about them that is just elegant and full of grace and even damn right sexy sometimes, you know? And that's just something, just those attributes I wanted. I want to help other people find and, um, and for me to find and be in, live authentically through that. I'd like to say thank you to Tamika for being an amazing guest and also encouraging me to live a better life. I hope you got as much out of this episode as I did. And if you want to find her, look for her on Instagram and her Facebook page is Tamika Serenity, plus the website that she already mentioned. And if you like this podcast, remember, you can follow us on Facebook under Slash Server Life, Instagram at Slash Server Life, you can also find us on iTunes, Google Play, and all the things. So, dear friends, now it's your turn. Get off your phones, pause that bullshit conversation, and peer into the not-so-secret world of service. Until next time.